opinions expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Thank you, Roger, and good morning, America. 9.05 Tuesday morning, another edition of the Authors Hour radio program on Smoke and 99.9 FM, 1380 AM, and WNRI.com, and probably 10 or 11 other different avenues of getting the show. If you miss any part of today's show or my other fine programmings, you can also go to the podcast later at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Bobber. And we have a double header today. Uh, they're really, really piling up all the new books coming out. The first part of our show today is Looking Up Invasion, an exercise in, in empathy. And they came from a place with no other wear by Janice Carr Smith. Great sci-fi book. And then the second half, we'll have a direct report from Hell's Kitchen in New York uh, from the Poet Laureate from New York, James B. Nicola. It's his seventh appearance on the show. Don't touch that dial. We're going to pay a few bills and then come right back to our first guest. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle, gluten-free products, over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Batlean's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Harvest Moon Health Foods, .net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And you see Brian in action at the Icebreaker in April of 2024 at Thompson International Speedway. Hope to see you all in Victory Lane. Just look for my St. Louis Cardinal hat. It's my trademark. Uh, normally she opens at 10 o'clock, but I can smell that coffee aroma coming down the Blackstone Valley, right down through the valley of that Hogan Brothers coffee. Also available by popular demand by the pound at Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Debbie Horan since 1995. Very receptive to local authors, local poets, musicians, and artists. Very, very receptive. She can uh, sit down and work out the details where they're to get into her store. And they're located at 72 East Main Street in Webster, Mass., 508-949-6232. 
Um, BOGO sale going on right now. Uh, warm up with a good book. The annual winter used book sale is going on right now at Book Lovers Gourmet. And uh, watch for her Facebook announcements on all the different book signings and events and uh, demonstrations at Book Lovers Gourmet. Golden opportunity to get your book on a local source. Now, another thing is getting hard to get. And I'm not talking about a payphone with a, from Dr. Who or a, a VHS store rental. I'm talking about fresh seafood. Not something that's been trucked in two or three days from the West Coast. Local fresh seafood daily and mainly seafood. And they have all of your uh, assortments up there. Seven fishes, shrimp cocktail, scallops and bacon. Uh, it's quite a unique place. It has the wholesale with the big display cases with all the fresh seafood. It has a sit-down, about 14 seats in-house. And the big part of it is call in and pick up your orders. They also have lobsters with free steaming right there as another special. And uh, on social media, every Monday or the latest Tuesday morning, they have five weekly specials. Most of them are under $10.00. You can't beat it. Fresh seafood from mainly seafood. Ten miles from the mass border, ten miles from the Rhode Island border, right on Route 44, Bates Avenue, quarter mile up from Walmart and Putnam, Connecticut. And the phone number is 860-928-7909. Who cut that cheesecake? Who doesn't like fresh cheesecake? Over 20 different varieties, times up to 30. And also doing birthday parties now, catering. And they got a coffee club. Uh, buy 10 cups and the 11th one is free. And also a wholesale division of Who Cut the Cheesecake. Available at the Village Tavern, Beef Barn, both locations, Rhode Island and Mass. Good Stuff, 85 Main in Putnam. Willie's Steakhouse and Sushi Bar up in Worcester. The Samba Steak and Sushi in Framingham. And so much more. David Silvers, who cut the cheesecake at the Trepachet Rotary right there in Gloucester, Rhode Island. 401-742-9240. Who doesn't like a nice, fresh piece of cheesecake? We get some happy birthdays in here, too, that came in as part of PSAs. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is waynewnri at yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny Ray. A big happy birthday to author Lisa Shea. Numerous books out there on the market. Bruce C. Walls. His father used to play drums for our group, the Reign of Terror. And uh, Russ Davis, 52 years old today. Big happy birthday. Wayne, WNRI, at Yahoo.com. And any questions for our author today? The very first author is Janice Carr-Smith. And uh, Wayne, WNRI, Yahoo.com, if you have any uh, questions, uh, we'll see if they're appropriate for the airways. The name of the book we're going to be discussing is Look Him Up, Invasion, an Exercise in Empathy. Let me get that switch going. And good morning, Janice. How are you? Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, 
Oh, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Is this your very first book? Yes, it is. And what inspired you to write this book? Well, I retired, and um, I always wanted to write, but I really wasn't thinking about writing when I retired. I was into my garden, and uh, I started hearing voices in my head, and there were two boys talking about just different things, and one of them was an alien, and he was saying some pretty interesting things. So I started writing things down, and this story came to me as I went. It was just completely inspired. I don't know where it came from, honestly. Now, are you the first author in your family, or did you have another mentor that guided you through your process? Uh, no, I am the first author in my family. My parents were intellectual and, and uh, well, uh, interested in, in intellectual things, but uh, they didn't actually write. So start to finish, what was the timetable of uh, getting the book done? Oh, I'd say it actually took about five years to get it all the way done from conception. Um, COVID happened during that, and that took a little setback, a little rewriting. But, uh, yeah, it took quite a while, actually. But uh, in the process, I managed to uh, plot out another four books in the series. Oh, so this is going to be an ongoing. I thought it was going to be a second yeah, one yeah, coming out. Yeah, hopefully I'll be coming out with a second book in a few months. Wow, so you've got a game plan all set up for this uh, longer version of an anthology, uh, a trilogy. So you're talking four and five books already, wow. The, the characters are really that expandable, huh? Oh, yeah, the, the characters, the thing about the, the going up into the future like that was uh, I really found the their conclusions to their arcs. But it takes a few books to get there. What type of book inspired you as a youngster? Oh, I read a lot as a youngster. I read um, mostly fiction. Um, I loved like dog stories, like Lassie and, and Call of the Wild, and and I read uh, as I grew older. Of course, I read more harder books. I liked Arthur from Herman Hesse and. And uh, things like that. Are you a member of any uh, writing groups? Uh, there's a very local writing group in our small town here, Reading, um, that I'm a member of. But I just joined that, actually. And they had a, an author's fair last fall where I got to sell some books. And um, so I'm, I'm meeting with them now. Okay. And that's what it's in Reading, Massachusetts? Hello? Are you on a cell phone? Uh, no, I'm on a landline, but I'm, I, you seem to be fading away. Okay, I, I'm getting uh, interference in the background. Uh, can you describe a little bit about, it's the first time I've seen it on a book, the Royal Dragonfly Book Award? How does that work? Is that a national organization? The Royal Dragonfly, uh, that's an award from uh, Story Monsters, Inc. Okay. It's uh, young adult and children books. And they had a contest, and I, I got uh, honorable mention in sci-fi and uh, young adult. Very good. Congratulations. 
Are you uh, able to do any book signings? Has the COVID dissipated enough now where you can get on the trail doing some libraries oh, yeah. and book signings? Um, yeah, I did. Um, well, I did a local book signing and then that local author's fair. So I've done a couple of those. Uh, they're really fun. I really enjoy uh, talking to people in person and, and talking about my book and, and meeting people and seeing where they're coming from. Yeah, the associations in all the states, the networking opportunities are just so, so valuable. And, uh, you know, you're in that fraternity, and if you have any questions, you probably get the right answer, honestly, from somebody, and it ends up saving you a lot of time and money. It's, it's great, great opportunities to network. Yeah, I do a lot of networking online. I'm not really on social media actively, but I'm... I, there were a lot of writers' resources online that I use all the time. The Authors Guild and the Alliance of Independent Authors, especially. Now, look up publishing, Lewiston, California. Is that an uh, Amazon hybrid through KDP? No, it's, um, I, I published through Draft2Digital, which uh, goes wider than Amazon, and uh, you can get your books out on Almost all ebook retailers and print books are available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon, but uh, they're uh, they're an alternative to Amazon. And it's worked out well for you. You've had no problems working with that company. Oh, they're a great company. I really like them. Were they responsible for this fantastic cover? Oh no, no, I didn't. I published completely myself. I I went to. Um, Vista Print, and they have a cover design contest where you can tell them basically what you want, and you get several artists competing um, to give you what you want, and then you can tweak it back and forth with them. And it took about five days, and I had a beautiful cover through Vista Print. Four hundred bucks, and that was Vista Print service you used. I'll have to take a look at that because that's a. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, I really can't hear you. You can uh, pay up to a thousand dollars for a good quality cover. That's why I was bringing this up. It looks like a great cover. Oh yeah, you can. But um, I got it for about four hundred, and I was very, very pleased. And I had lots of choices. Okay, being orphaned at age fourteen, both parents uh, died of cancer within two years of each other, impacted her life and influenced your writing. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I, I think what what it did for me, if you want to look at it positively, was, um, well, moving to my aunt and uncle's house in Florida it was a very different world and a very different um, mentality. Uh, my parents were super liberal, and my uncle and aunt were very, very conservative, evangelical. I had to adjust to that. And um, I didn't adopt their feelings or beliefs, but I, I did learn how to live with and love with someone that's, that's very different. And I think that that's the theme that I've got in my book here, is to empathize and understand people that are coming from very different backgrounds and, um, and to try to at least understand them, even if you don't like them, <laughs> and to get along with them. And... Uh, my aliens are from very different backgrounds because they're from a, a tiny, tiny world, and they 
don't have any other peoples, any other religions, anybody who looks different from them or thinks different from them. They've never been exposed to that. They have one little tiny village, and everyone's pretty much the same. So um, they've come to Earth, and uh, some of them have the Internet invading their, their minds. They can hear the Internet and see the Internet in their minds. And uh, it's, it's kind of blowing them away a lot <laughs> because we have so much diversity. And it's the way we deal with the diversity that, that really kind of confuses them because they don't have that experience. And yet you're but on writing, the other side... Your writing style on this, it, you also filled it with current issues, including racism, immigration, women's rights, and religious freedom. Was that on rewrites or through editing? What was that? What was uh, the rewrite? You had the uh, a writing style of including racism, immigration, women's rights, and religious freedom in your book. Was that done through a netit or added in at a later date? Or did that come uh, no, natural? It, it kind of just, it, it came organically out of, out of the basic idea of having these aliens from a tiny world, primitive, showing up on Earth, so, and going to, being hired on a, on a farm, so you've got the immigration and the racism built right in, and then it proceeded from there to, uh, as they get to know each other and explore the different cultures, a lot of that, that stuff just came out of it, because that's, they were very, they had kind of a, what we would think of as a weird religion very strict and um the people that that hire them are, are pretty liberal so um all this stuff just all these themes just kind of came out and uh i did do a rewrite and and i did accentuate those themes after they'd eventually come out uh, and especially expanded on the no otherware idea where they they just what their world is like without having any diversity and it's a pretty dark picture well it's a very very interesting book i'll test to say the least it uh really gets your curiosity up and then you don't want to put it down it, it's that well done and i cannot wait to see two and three of this series on where it ends up and where it's going and you're saying as many as four or five books in the series well, what I have planned now is um, three more books in the series, and there's a prequel that actually is not sci-fi. It's it's on Earth, and it's how this uh, looking up ranch came to be. Interesting. It goes back to the the Depression, and then it goes into the '60s, and on up until almost the point where this this book starts. Can you describe the very first day when the FedEx truck or the UPS truck backed up to your house with your first cases of books? Can you describe that feeling? Oh, that was exciting. Uh, yeah, I had two cases of books that came, and um, yeah, there's nothing like it. Uh, yeah, that was, and I unpacked them and took a picture and posted it on on the place, uh, the D2D website, I believe. I don't think it's there anymore. But, um, yeah, that was quite exciting. 
But something. the most exciting part, I think, about the whole adventure was uh, when you get into writing and, and you just get so involved in it that you, your characters take over and start doing things that you didn't even expect them to do. Yep. And, and it fits in so perfectly. That's the most exciting part of writing for me was um, I just found that, you know, I'd set up the situation and the characters would take over and do things. And, and sometimes it was like, hey, I didn't expect that. And I'd explore it, and it would fit in so well with the rest of the story. It was just amazing. Did you have a lot of experiences of waking up in a dream 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and had to write it down because it was so so great of a change for your book or a chapter? Uh, not so much in dreams, but I do, yeah, I, when I'm awake, sometimes when I'm awake in bed or wherever I am, I, I keep a notepad everywhere. In case that happens, it doesn't usually happen in a dream, though. It usually just happens when I'm awake. Yeah, so you're exhausted and you're getting a, a full night's sleep. Very, very interesting book, and I'll tell you, I love the cover. The cover is going to make a lot of people automatically be drawn to it, and if the hook is good enough in the first 30 pages, I think you've got to keep it. I got I'm another. Sorry, Wayne, I can't hear you. I got another uh, suggestion for you on this book too. When you really get uh, going on your book selling with uh, book sales and book fairs, think about making a companion coloring book with these characters, with the different colors. It would be another sale for you for the children. Well, that's a really cute idea. I think on this book it would be well, perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah, I love the characters, and it's hard to get graphics showing the characters unless, you know, you get original artwork. It's the only way, because they're they're different. Well, they're only different in skin color, actually. Yep. But, now, um, yeah, that would be a, that's a fun idea. Now, in the sci-fi world, it is so competitive. And with uh, 900,000 books being released every year... I gotta say, there's fifty thousand sci-fi books. What's going to be your pitch? Why should somebody buy your sci-fi book versus somebody else's? What does this book offer them? Well, it's kind of sci-fi with a twist. It's a little different. It doesn't have any spaceships. The aliens are more primitive than we are, and yet they they come to Earth. So. It's kind of a reverse of a lot of sci-fis where we go to some primitive land. Um, it's all reversed that way. So it's kind of got a unique aspect to it that other sci-fi books don't generally pursue. Uh, what age group is this designed for, this book? What's your target market? I'd say young adult, um, maybe 15 to, to 25 or so. That's or your book you're looking for? And there's no, there's no profanity in the book for the grandparents buying books? Um, there's a couple of little cuss words. Okay. And there is a, a kind of a brutal consequence told in an ancient story about um, somebody who, who did something against the, the rules, the sexual mores, and, and was punished. And that's kind of brutal. That's okay. about as dark as it gets in that way. Okay, so uh, late teenager, then and up. Yeah, 
Okay. Because we have a lot of our grandparents and guardians that ask me, is, is this book appropriate for my grandchildren and stuff? So now I can let them know on that. But uh, what advice would you have to anybody that wants to enter this genre of sci-fi? What advice would you have for a brand new writer, a brand new author coming into it? Well, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very crowded field, like you said. Um, books in general are super crowded right now because of self-publishing. Um, one thing that I didn't do that I wish I had done is to, um, you've got to start your marketing early before you even publish. You're supposed to um, get a following and get um, some advanced reviews and... Uh, advertise your book before it even comes out so i didn't know that <laughs> and that get by the time it came out and, and a lot of publicists and um and people told me yeah you were supposed to do that before <laughs> yeah. so i guess that would be some advice it's it's um prepare yourself because it's it's really uh it's a tough market it's a super tough market to even be seen no matter how good your book is there's just so many books out there that it's very, very difficult to, to be seen. Yep. The associations really help you out on any new author coming in. It eliminates so many pitfalls and things you've never thought about because it's brand new to you. But I think you're on the right track with this. Uh, the right cover, the right expandable characters. It seems like you have a game plan all set up. And the best of luck, and most important of all, thank you for writing this book. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. Where can the book be purchased? It's available, right now it's on sale for 99 cents for the e-books on um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, almost everywhere that e-books are sold. It's all 99 cents through March. And it's the paperbacks are available at barnesandnoble.com and Amazon. Fantastic. Uh, have you started with a website or a social media program? I have a website. It's looking up, L-O-O-K-N-U-P dot U-S. Okay. Looking up dot us. Are you planning? That's my website. Are you planning on any tour through New England on a book signing tour? Mm, probably is pretty far away for me. Yeah. So probably not. Um, I am from there, though, so I would like to go back there. And if I did, I'd, I'd probably want to try something like that. Well, if you do, send me an email and we'll give you a little plug on the show. Oh, great. I okay. appreciate that. And I thank you very much for being our guest on the Author's Hour, available on a podcast at a later date at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. The author today is Janice Carr Smith, looking up Invasion. Thank you very much. And remember tomorrow, have the best day of your life. <laughs> thank you, Wayne. Okay, Janice. Bye-bye. And that concludes the first part of our show. AuthorsHourBookstore.com. New and slightly read books 
If you heard our author interview on our Authors Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new Authors Hour Bookstore.com. Mention today's show for another 10% off. Uh, 7,000 books now in our inventory at this uh, store, the online store, and over 700 titles on the website, theauthorshourbookstore.com. Let me know by email, make arrangements, and I'll get that book right to your door. Are you looking for some authentic Mexican food? I'm not talking a knockoff or a wannabe added on to our regular menu. I'm talking about Casa Burritos, authentic Mexican food. You open the door and you feel like you've crossed the border. Beer and wine is now also available. It's a seven-day operation, open at 11. Felix and his daughter, who has joined the company now, have a luncheon special from 11.30 to 2 o'clock, Monday through Friday. Catering is now available and casaburritotakeout.com. This is authentic, the real Mexican food menu with daily specials also. It's located at 114 Main Street in Blackstone. It's a white commercial building that shares with other two companies, but they're right out front with their own free parking, 508-928-0904. And let Felix know you heard the ad on WNRI. Smoking 99.9 FM. They're building race cars right now. And race trucks are squaring up your chassis. Very, very busy time of the year. In fact, they're going to do a brake job this afternoon on my limousine by uh, CJ Trans of Fairbanks. They're going to do some rear brakes for me today. And we're talking about the fine folks at Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. And Northeast Race Cars and Speed, located at Six Hill Road in Harrisville, 401 568 4463. Or you can call 800 766 4748 and talk to Scotty in the Speed Equipment, and he'll guarantee a shipment by 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday, to get your race vehicle in Victory Lane. Race Cars Supplier and Custom Fabrication. Chassis Setup, Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, and so much more. From a career-long racer, Shane Hopkins and Herbie sets up Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair at 401-568-4463. Let them know you heard the ad on the Author's Hour on WNRI. Waiting for our second guest to call in from... Hell's Kitchen in New York. But in the meantime, Cereal's Pizza Rimmer and Restaurant is serving the best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island. Five different types of toast, Italian, Texas toast, uh, French toast, you name it. And what a breakfast they have. And it is Tuesday. They're extending the cheese pizza special on Tuesday. That's a full whopping 15 slice rectangle pizza on sale every Tuesday. And then the Sunday dinner for two, $23.99. Looking for one more server, apply in person. Or if you'd like to have a takeout order, it would be 
1-800-227-7187. They haven't lost an order yet. Over 52 years in business up at the Bridgeton Triangle in Pasco. Cereals, Pizza Rima, and restaurant and catering. We've got to be proud to announce a new business that's a first-year business in North Smithfield, Rhode Island. And we're talking about taking care of your family members at Wagnolia Pet Grooming and so much more. A clean dog is a happy dog. And also, for the month of March, as an appreciation, free nail clipping with the mention of WNRI. They're located in the Chamberlain Financial Building at 601 Great Road in North Smithfield. And Bree is taking reservations right now at 401-999-2440. Always get your prep vaccinated before it comes in. Wouldn't hurt if you do too. Uh, Wagnolia's Pet Grooming and more. 401-999-2440. We also have a book signing coming up local. Uh, Free admission. And this is at the Cumberland Public Library. Uh, Jacob E. Lauder is uh, sponsoring this. And the date on it is Saturday, February 24th from 1 to 4. Uh, Traditionally published and self-published authors are welcome to participate. I believe it's all signed up now for the free authors on that and poets. And this is growing in numbers. It had to take a little break with the COVID, you know, going around with the virus and that. But now it's back in full bore at the Cumberland Public Library. And that, again, is going to be February 24th. That's on a Saturday from 1 to 4. And a lot of local authors, uh, poets, and so much more. Poets at Lodge has uh, got a program going. Uh, Karen Morinsky was talking about it two weeks on the show at the Vanilla Bean Cafe over in the Woodstock area. Check that out on the website and other reading opportunities, too. On the line right now, <coughs> excuse me. On the line right now, we have a six-time caller from Hell's Kitchen, New York, quickening, (laughs) out of nothing, wind in the cave, stage to play, Manhattan Plaza, and playing the audience. Good morning, James B. Nicola. How are you? Oh, hello, Wayne. Good morning. Welcome. And hello from New York City, where the sky is totally blue for three days in a row now. Not a cloud. <laughs> it's so nice to see the sun. It really is yeah, invigorating. We, we earned it. We had a few weeks of just clouds, so we earned it. But it's chilly, but it's sunny. So how are you all up in Woonsocket? Very, very good. We survived it. Uh, we haven't had to plow anything in my part of Connecticut yet this year. We had a couple of small snow uh, snowstorms, and um, a lot of it melted the next day. And uh, we have a warm spell coming up here right through. It's going to be in the 50s Saturday with rain. So that's going to hurt our ice fishing friends, as, as we all know. Now, uh, you've got to let me know, 
from the momentum you had right. last year up in Massachusetts. Is your calendar filling up right. for 2024? Is poetry on an upswing, what's in your happened, opinion? What's happening, let me, yeah, what's happening now is a lot of poets, be, you know, since during the pandemic, so many people were communicating and meeting through Zoom and Google Group Meets. So my schedule every week is quite a few meetings, a few live here in New York. I host the Writers Circle at my local library branch, and that's every two weeks. And then two or three times a week, I'm online with other groups that have formed out of one of them from New England, but we can get on long distance, and there's people that come on from Maine and France to the Wayland Poetry Group, and then another group that's centered in Los Angeles that has had invited, invited me to join. So I, I'm most, most busy workshopping and presenting material for feedback, as well as um, hosting other writers of all genres. The local one that we do here is uh, uh, um, all genres. The other two that I'm on line with are poetry only. Uh, uh, no, there's, what am I saying? I have two a week that are poetry only and another one online that's mixed genre. So, I'm, yeah, I'm in four four writing workshops. And then, um, um, so that's how the, the week fills up. Every few days we're presenting work for feedback and rewriting and rewriting. So I'm in sort of a writing and rewriting frenzy. Meanwhile, my latest book is called Natural Tendencies, and that just came out since last I spoke to you, and that was published from Chirvana Barva Press from Somerville, Massachusetts, my first New England publisher. So that's available now, Natural Tendencies. It's poems, well, nature-inspired poems, but really a little bit um, deeper than just love of nature. We go beyond Thoreau, although Thoreau is certainly, and Walden Pond are certainly involved. But anyway, so we keep busy and out of trouble that way. And uh, and the interesting thing is that your writers, not, not, not a lot of writers do all sorts of genres, so it's really, really good for these multi-genre workshops that I'm involved in, the two of them, because you apply similar principles in prose that you would to poetry or poetry to prose or memoir to fiction or fiction to memoir, etc. about how do you keep the reader turning the page. And it's in different ways. You know, a short-form poem has a different kind of involvement than, a, say, novel, parts of a novel or a short story or, or memoir. So it's really, really been productive, but I'm in basically a writing and rewriting frenzy um, um, at the moment. So that's really exciting. Every day I get on with a new idea or um, looking at something and uh, <laughs> not tearing it apart, but going, oh, I can tweak that, or, oh, that comment makes sense now. I write everything down, etc. So I just thought that might be interesting for your listeners, because I know a lot of people, uh, when we get, we get people that they're, they're new and they'll share, well, they don't do rewriting, and the beat poets sort of uh, made that part of their, um, their uh, way of working, but even Ginsburg, at the end of his life, said, okay, rewriting. <laughs> you know, he changed his mind on that. So my of, intuition was you know, right. The wunderkind of the beat poets. Yeah. The, the last six months, maybe eight months, with my email correspondence from around the world and local poet groups really growing in New England weekly. I mean, they're yeah. adding on. I'm getting more and more uh, emails are looking for an ad or a pitch to get onto the show to promote their group. Yeah, I got a feeling this is a yeah. nationwide movement, probably worldwide, that's going to help us all. I hope so. I hope so. And I really recommend it to anyone writing in a vacuum. That's great. 
you know, read, study, write in a vacuum. But there's the, the sense that if you can find a group of people that to, to help give you, as it were, honest feedback and supportive feedback, you're going to... It's it's so hard. Same, you know, I come from the theater, as you recall, and was a stage director for many years, and hence that book, Playing the Audience, The Practical Actor's Guide to Live Performance. It won a choice award. It's in libraries all over the country, and you can get a copy. And it's interesting um, look at text for poets, too, because I did a lot of Shakespeare, so I talk about how his iambic pentameter and whatnot works and how versification works. But the trick is... Um, to apply similar principles to the writing is keeping the audience with you over two or three hours on a weeknight, particularly a Tuesday night, doing long days journey into night in Spokane. You got to keep the Tuesday and Wednesday night audience in their seats and thrilled, even though it starts at seven on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, perhaps. But um, and so it's a similar principle to grab. And, and indeed, when we have theater people in our local workshop in our library, you know, there's a lot of arts people in Hell's Kitchen, they'll use terms to another writer's memoir. Oh, I like it there where you have the hook. You know, the hook is when in a screen, screenplay or a play, when you grab the audience, they know why they're there, and you're not going to let them out of the seat, and they're on the roller coaster. You know, it's, it's sort of the moment in a roller coaster ride at the beginning. Remember the roller coaster? You first you're going up. The hook is when you start to go down. Okay, now you can't get off. Um, and theater people know about that, but sometimes writers in long forms don't realize or remember how do you keep the audience on board. And a writing group can help help uh, help you um, see the effect that your draft, your current draft, has on sympathetic ears. And then. Another writer's group can tell you how it is on unsympathetic ears, but that's in the theater where, you know, opening night and previews, you're counting laughs to see if people that don't know you are falling asleep or not. But that's a little more treacherous in the theater <laughs> because your audiences don't know you. But they want to like it. But, um, but anyway, so I highly recommend that. And you're right. Um, if you get online or talk to friends that also write and ask about forming one with friends that are um, um, groups that are friends. And I've come up... And, Again, I haven't been up to Rhode Island, I don't think, since before pandemic, so I hope, I hope that changes. Um, but, you know, to, down the other end, uh, in Westerly, I've done readings with groups, although they're more not workshopping poems. They're reading and performing together, uh, etc. And, and in Moonsocket, I've done, done to both ends of Rhode Island. And then my last time was on the other side of the bay in Cranston, uh, Rhode Island. That's, um, that's toward Seekonk, right? Yeah. And that was my last time in Rhode Island. A few months I got ago. an email uh, from for, Tim for Mooney event. from Salisbury, Massachusetts, and he says he's having trouble... Uh, getting the bookstores to put his poetry on the shelf. They say poetry is not a mover in their store. What are some of the helpful hints uh, on doing your pitch to uh, uh, persuade those book owners and book buyers to put more poetry on the shelf? Well, really, you need a following, and you have to have the bookstore trusting that your things will move. Um, and then you, in, 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 in poetry, you've got to do that hustling. So when I had uh, performed at the uh, Bryant Park uh, in New York uh, poetry event, and a, a local bookstore uh, hosts the table there that would sell them. I sold a lot of books live. So they carried my books for a while. Then it was up on me on getting word out that you can get my books at this bookstore so that the ones that they have move. 
and that's on you today as a poet. Um, there's very, very, very few poets that um, that are that are on the shelves of bookstores, and really, uh, that's not how most poetry books are sold lately. Only when you you know get famous and win a National Book Award or Pulitzer Prize, or you're nominated, or you get a name and a following and a readership. It's you know they can't have stuff not move. Uh, that's, that's 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 poetry book. So it's a, yeah, it's a different. It's a crapshoot. Um, but I've had stuff on shelves that moved, and I've had stuff on shelves at bookstores that didn't move. So now I don't even worry about that direction anymore. But it's your direct mails to people you know and getting word out to get you know to get to, to get your book. But yeah, your poetry book. And if you self-publish, there's virtually no chance. If you self-publish, I mean that's one thing that people ask me at our workshop, and other people, another friend of mine in Woonsocket self-published. It's very hard to get reviews, very hard to get press uh, when you self-publish because you don't have the imprimatur of someone else, a distance, disinterested party, and it's almost impossible uh, to get it on shelves. That said, in other fields, I know somebody that self-published a textbook years ago made a million bucks because no one else. It was in urban planning or something, you know, and it was a friend of mine who was a graduate school at Yale at the time and showed me the book. Its first brand was self-published. He made so, it was expensive at the cost, and then it became the definitive textbook. So there's not the, what is it called, the, own, mm, it's not onus, but there's not the, there's not the second-class citizen status automatically in self-publishing that they used to be. In other words, people reading it will read it or buy it if you're self-published, but it's still incredibly hard in the literary in literary world literary uh, material fiction memoir uh, poetry to get reviews or to get um, to get uh, bookstore space um, text so basically advice advice to this author author from uh, Salisbury Massachusetts would be to when you knock on the door make an appointment be polite and offer them a book signing and a reading uh, first of all, right up front, that'll introduce the product to their customers and see if there's any interest involved. The owners may even be surprised. And then follow up with their own social media and their own web pages on where they can purchase the book to help that retailer. Exactly. And that's the right. two steps to exactly. go. And then it'll catapult and keep going. Right. Okay, very right. good. And every bookstore that did carry my book, by the way, I did a reading there. That is true. I mean, I, you probably knew that from my mailings and remembered that. Any bookstore that carried, I, I did a re reading. And we sometimes the bookstore did, but when you do a reading, you'd be ready to bring the refreshments yourself. But sometimes the book, the bookstores, I think, always did as far as that's concerned. But they don't necessarily. Sometimes they just give you the space and want to see how you do. But it's like cabaret in New York. You know, you get booked to do a cabaret, you better have a following. If you get booked at the Rose Room and you're and you have an empty house, you don't get, you don't go back. The book you because they think you have a following. So when you do a reading at a bookstore, you got to get the people showing up. Yeah. You know, you got it's got to be from your mailing list, your friends, your family. You got to pad the house, as it were. That's it's a hard nut to crack. But it's like cabaret in New York, which is not that it's a ra well, it is a racket, but it's not that it's dishonest. It's just that's what it is, and that's how you have to go about it to build that following. Now, are you, are you getting a lot of inquiries yeah. right now for private mentoring? 
Oh, too many. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the time. Too many. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were. Sorry to say, but, you know, because, but, um, but yeah, I'm get, I get a lot. I get, and sometimes an email from, because my information is all online and my phone number's in the book and whatnot. So sometimes things come out of, from people I never heard of that have seen my stuff and then respond. And it's always nice to hear that a poem that you wrote that someone saw or a book or a, I've had some fiction published now too, um, that they saw that and they chime in. It's always so beautiful, but you don't always have time to look at what they want you to look at, you know, but I remember what Charles Dickens said when he became famous and young novelists would hit him up for some advice. They wanted him to read his, their novels and he had only three words. I'm sorry. Uh, six words. Uh, wait a second. Three words of advice for any young novelist, and it was the same word three times. And that's all he would say. It was dramatize, dramatize, dramatize. <laughs> Don't have to read your your book, but dramatize, dramatize, dramatize. And I do give workshops so if, uh, at libraries all over the country. So if anybody up there in New England, I have still family and friends I can stay with in Connecticut and Massachusetts and Near, near enough to Rhode Island, so uh, I'm happy to do workshops for feedback, and I've done them in New England before at different libraries and bookstores just to help people look at in multi-genre, because uh, uh, I remember one wonderful uh, novelist that had self-published up in Massachusetts at a workshop in Lancaster. I was trying to help writers figure out what part of their piece to read for a live performance when they get, particularly prose, when you get the function where you're reading from your book to try to sell copies. And she th and I said, well, a good place is around the hook. Again, that's a theater term, but it's also a screenwriter term and a novelist term. And she didn't know what a hook was. And she looked at her stuff and realized, my goodness, I didn't know what a hook was. That is when you grab the audience so that right. the, audi the reader keeps their attention. Yep. That's often a good place to look. But that's not the only place. Because when you see people or hear people read on um, book TV or whatever, if you do those or online and things. It's not always that, that point, but that's a good place to look if you don't know where else to look. So, you know, anyway. So, so how to look at your, the structure of your own material to figure out what are you doing to the audience and how are you going to titillate them enough to buy the book? I know it sounds so crass compared to high art, but that's what we got to do. As well as the high art, if you can do high art, if you can do great stuff. Poetry is shorter, usually, you know, than short stories and novels and all that. It's shorter, but you still got to keep the audience on board. So that's a tough one, too, how to, how to plan your poetry reading. Now, living and, in uh, New York, big, big uh, James, has Broadway come back 100%? Um, I, I'm, I'm not one who looks at the numbers, but it looks like it. Yep, looks like it. I think there's still a lot of people that aren't going to Broadway, but there's a lot of hits and there's a lot of people going to Broadway. So you know, so it looks and the, and the, and the money was you know back the money figures. But I haven't looked at the attendance record comparisons of 2019. But you know, all the, the theaters are full and and the audiences are coming again. And New York is you know packed with tourists too again. So it's kind of fabulous <laughs> to so things are looking and good. restaurants are opening but the, the, what has happened i don't know if this is at all interesting is there's still a little less driving than there was before pandemic so we now if you come to new york times square area there are more walkways where there's no cars we have a one lane is all pedestrian on on uh, ninth avenue between 48th street and 57th street they just took a lane away from the cars and made it for pedestrians wow. in the, and then they already did that at times square all the way down to macy's and a few other places 
places, but there's a whole lot of wonderful walkways. And for the cars, it's not worse because there just happens to be fewer people driving yep. since pandemic. And, and soon they're going to have that thing they have in London where they charge cars to drive midtown. So it's going to be very pleasant. So come, come to New York to see some shows. And if you come, try to save a Saturday matinee to join our writer's circle at the, because our, our Hell's Kitchen Library is in that Times Square area, 10th Avenue and 51st, second and fourth Saturdays of every month, but it's one to three in the afternoon, so you can't see Matinee that day. But we've had people down from New England before, and all, all the continents except Antarctica, so so our, our, our joke is, uh, it's the Hell's Kitchen International <laughs> Writers Roundtable. <laughs> but every continent, people from Africa, Asia, Europe, South America, uh, and the States, just nobody from Antarctica. Yet. But we've had people from Australia join us, you know, when they're, when they're in town and they hear about it from my stuff or whatnot. They come and join us. So everyone's welcome. So We've been talking with one of my favorite poets from New York, Hell's Kitchen, James B. Nicola, and uh, tremendous work out there on stage and theater and workshops. And uh, one of my closest friends and always a great guest on the Author's Hour. If you missed any part of this show, you can catch it on the podcast at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. Now, if you're coming up into New England this year, James, please let me know and we'll do a promo yeah. for you and we'll hook up and probably have a lobster. Oh, that, oh, lobster. Oh, that's it. Oh, it'll be... Then oh definitely lobster season. When does that start? Does it start as early as June? I think it does. Oh yes, yeah. it does. The conference open in June, as we call. Right. I'll, I'll definitely be up in June. So yep, and I'll be in the, I'll be in Wayland. So I'll come. I'll come down. I'll try to make a point of it. Okay, James. Thank you very much for calling in on the author's hour. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks so much for thinking of me and everybody. Stay safe and keep writing, everybody. Okay. <laughs> that was James B. Nicola, right from Hell's Kitchen. And uh, I notice every event that I attend, I'll be up uh, fishing on Lake Winnipesaukee Thursday this week, pre-fishing for the our group for the big tournament up there. There was between 7 and 8 inches yesterday, but it was 10 degrees last night. Hopefully we got a little bit more safe ice. But uh, every event I go to, or whether I'm shopping, I come out, there's a, a shopping carriage against a, a car with a little scrape mark. Uh, and if I had a white a gray or a black truck. Uh, the insurance company is only going to pay to have the front fascia or the rear fascia or maybe one quarter or a door panel. I would take it to a body shop that has the best reputation on paint matching. And Angels Collision Center does that service on the pre- premises for over 27 years. Also added on windshield replacements and then recalibrate your computer with all the electronics now in the windshields. They're located at 274 Putnam Pike in Chapachet, 401-949-3952. Proud sponsor of the number 10, driven by Keith Ballou at Thompson Speedway. If you're looking for um, an establishment that does Rhode Island vehicle state inspection, look no farther than Brian's Auto and Truck Repair, Larry's 24-hour towing, and Boroughville Motor Sales, all under one roof multitasking on South Main Street in Pasco. 
401-568-6286. Used cars and trucks, new arrivals every day. Uh, That division is headed up by Peter and Jerry and Brian and his staff do the Brian's Auto and Truck Repair. Larry's 24-hour towing supplies jump-starting service, lockout service, slide on that black ice, add one too many, and give the keys up. Just give them the address and Larry's 24-hour towing will take care of the rest. 401-568-6286. Mainly seafood. I got to get that specials too, because Mama will be asking me on that what the specials are. And uh, you know, with the inflation hitting everybody, every ethnic group, you're getting your royal bills now. You're getting your visa bills from Christmas, and a lot of people accumulate and collect scrap metal, waiting for the best opportunity to get the highest price. Well, that highest price is going on right now. I witnessed it Saturday myself at Ross Recycling. And in our listening audience, because of TuneIn Radio, Simple Radio, WNRI.com, the other locations that they have, a multi-million dollar business over in Clinton, Connecticut, Hartford, North Stonington, Preston, and right here in nearby Putnam, Connecticut at 64 Tucker Hill Road. As you're entering Putnam on Route 44, right on the left-hand side, you'll see the big cranes up in the air. And what I like about it is they're open six days a week at 8 in the morning. Pull your trailer or your truck or your car right on the scales. And they have laborers there to help you unload your cargo. Paying the highest possible rates for the following items, but not limited to aluminum, brass, Batteries and electric motors, they have the capacity to dismount them and get that valuable material. Don't get them in the landfill. Get them recycled and get paid for it. Insulated wire, stainless steel, light iron. And that is Ross Recycling right in Putnam, Connecticut, 860-928-7165. And I've got the author's hour intro and the author's hour outro. And that's going to be in the computer, too. And let me just find it, the outro right here. Thank you very much to our guest today. That would be Janice Carr-Smith and James B. Nicola. And we'll be back on the uh, Sunday with our report from Lake Winnipesaukee's Ice Tournament on the outdoor scene. Remember tomorrow, have the best day of your life. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnriyahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.